The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. New images showing troops from Russia and its ally Belarus preparing for joint exercises near Ukraine's northern border. It may be just a distraction, but as Russia continues to mass forces, Ukrainian intelligence says it now sees this region as a full-fledged Russian theater of operation. In other words, another dangerous potential front line. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, a lot to pray for, huh? Good afternoon. It is good to be back here with you today. I do appreciate you tuning in, allowing me to be part of your day and to give you a look at life and all that's unfolding around the country and around the world. One of the big stories today, of course, is what's happening with uh, Russia and Ukraine. I saw a report earlier today uh, that thousands of Russian troops are being sent from the country's far east to uh, to Belarus for war games. And Belarus, if you're not familiar with it, it borders Ukraine on the on the north, and it has a dictator. It's dictator Alexandra uh, Lukashenko. I know that name sounds familiar to you. He's allied, of course, with Russia, and when all these troops are in place, Ukraine, just to give you a, a picture of what this looks like, you know, geographically, Ukraine will be practically surrounded except on its western border with Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, and uh, Moldova. And, and the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, he's a uh, He's, of course, going to be meeting with his Russian counterpart in Geneva on Friday in another attempt to diplomatically resolve this crisis. But that meeting comes after the failure of talks between the U.S. and Russia and NATO uh, have gone nowhere. They have gone nowhere. So, you know, I, I look, I come at everything from a spiritual perspective, and I hope I don't sound like a broken record here. I don't sound redundant, but I, I, I have such absolute and total belief in the power of prayer to bring about peace and change. You know, there are reported visions going on right now all over the planet. And, and the Virgin Mary is always calling us to pray for peace, you know, and, and she reminds us of the power of prayer and the power of fasting to change things. Um, I have no doubt that Vladimir Putin uh, wants to go into Ukraine, and he more than likely will. He'll see what he can get out of this deal. And this is all part of that political chess game that he is playing right now. Um, let's pray for the citizens of Ukraine. Let's pray that uh, peace reign. Right? Let let freedom ring, as Martin Luther King Jr. had said. Let you know, let freedom ring. Let peace reign. So we really need to pray for and fast. And we'll talk about that today. We need to pray and fast for the situation because war breaking out in Ukraine it could um, well it could have horrific consequences in other parts of the world including here. In fact, speaking of fasting, and I do want to talk about this a couple times uh, today for you. Um, I, I think it is so important that we do fast. You know, the, the, look, in our own country, I think this country, I think the United States, as great as it is, and I love this nation, right? I take a bullet for the freedoms that we we enjoy here. Uh, I'd lay my life down, as so many others had, uh, for what America stands for. However, I think this country deserves divine Punishment, divine chastisement, and I think we're calling uh, from from God for that. I pray to God we don't get it. But when you take a look at the sin of abortion in this country, nothing, nothing outrages God. Nothing calls for His justice like that sin. And this weekend, the annual March for Life is taking place in Washington D.C. We are literally now just two days away from it, 
And we are here at a network, and I, and I love, you know what I love about Relevant? I, I love the fact that prayer is central to what we do. Yeah, we'll get you plugged in. We'll help you in your spiritual journey. We'll, we'll do a lot of different things, but we pray. Mass is celebrated every day. The chaplet is prayed every afternoon at that hour of triumph. And the rosary is prayed every evening, right? And we are praying for you in adoration. We are praying for you throughout the day. So Relevance is, look, we believe in the power of prayer. Created a hashtag. It's hashtag fast for life. This year, there is extra, I think, incentive for all of us to join. A um, couple things you can do here. One, go and download that free ebook. All right, it's called The Choice is Love. Absolutely free. And then share it with somebody else. All right, or get somebody else to download it. Uh, and then take a few moments, not only to read through it. It's simple. I think it's 11 or 12 pages. Uh, but also, let us know what you're doing. Let us know how you are committed to the cause for life in, in solidarity with the March for Life and you know, uh, you can use this hashtag, hashtag fast for life, and uh, just tell us how you plan to, to pray and to sacrifice. You know, I, 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 I can hear some people say, well, I can't, I don't really fast, Drew. I've got, you know, I've got, you know, I've got health issues, or I just can't do this, or I'm too tired, or, I, you know, I just, you know, I just can't. I'll, I'll pray, but I'm not going to fast. Um, here's the deal with that, okay? And I just, I'll just throw something else out here for you quickly, something that, might help you. Um, that's all great, and I totally get it. There are lots of other ways to fast, right? For example, uh, how often do you complain? Th- think about the times you just want to, oh, you want to complain about this person or the traffic or the inflation or the cost of gas or the person you work with or your spouse or the kids. Fast from complaining. Bite your tongue. Say, Lord, I'm going to offer this up, right? I'm going to offer it up, Lord. Um, you know, okay, so... You love coffee, right? Maybe you have that soda every day. You have a cocktail. It's like, drink only water for the day. That's a fast. How about give a little bit of time? How about fast? How about give up some of your time? How about pray a memorari each hour of the day? You know, read some scripture or just pray. I mean, yeah, you can pray. Fast from television, you know? Um, Maybe do something for somebody else. You know, your neighbor's garbage cans are at the bottom of the drive. Run it up. Right? You like that? I love that. How about an extra household chore? For your spouse, something that they normally do, you do instead. Offer it up, right? Um, you know, I love a nice hot shower. How about turning the temperature down a little bit? Take a lukewarm one. Now, cold is out for me. <laughs> I'm not that strong. I don't have that much of a penitential spirit. I wish I could, but I know there are some people who, who are willing to forego that and take a cold shower. Now, that is a sacrifice. You're fasting the warmth and the uh, the enjoyment of a, a nice warm shower for something cold. Or, or maybe turn it on for about 60 seconds. I mean, we can see the point here is we can modify all this stuff, right? Maybe you love listening to music in the car. Turn it off. Right? Lots of ways. Set the alarm for 15 minutes earlier, an hour earlier. You know, get up earlier. Uh, sacrifice some sleep. Uh, lots of ways that we can participate. But, but do it for life, okay? But uh, do me a favor. Go right now. Go to relevantradio.com forward slash... Uh, fast for life. Okay. That, that's the right website, isn't it, Maggie? I'm trying to remember fast, just fast. Yes. Thank you. I, I actually typed in fast for life earlier today and, and I got an error message. So I should have known that it's hashtag fast for life on Twitter or it's relevantradio.com forward slash fast relevantradio.com forward slash fast. Look, take advantage of that free ebook, take the download it. And then on Twitter, using that hashtag, hashtag fast for life, let us know what you're doing. All right, just say, Drew, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier. Or you know what? Uh, but one thing I don't want you to do, okay? Don't turn relevant radio off. Don't say, I'm going to fast from relevant. 
Leave it on, all right? There's other things we can fast from. You know, and I say, oh, but I love it. No, 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 no. Stay here with us. We'll do this together. Let's find some other way to to go ahead and fast. But relevantradio.com forward slash fast. Go there now. Download that ebook. Uh, hashtag fast for life. Let us know what you're doing. Love it. All right. So that's some of the things we can do. And, and you know, with that fast, in addition to, to praying for our own country and the problems that challenge and threaten us here, how about praying for peace, especially with Russia and Ukraine? You know, with with China and the U.S., with North Korea and the South. When you think of all the problems, let's pray for the conversion of these terrorists that we have. You have nefarious intentions towards us, you know, where innocent people often get hurt. So it's just just a quick, you know, it's a quick food for thought for you, all right? But I'd I'd love it if you do that. Hey, next week, um, speaking of international affairs, there's a major trial taking place in Finland. This is the case of a former member of parliament. And guess what they did? You know, I, I talk about religious freedom, right, and, and how it is in the crosshairs, not just of our country, but of the world. Uh, again, this is demonic. Satan is behind this. Satan does not, you know, he, he doesn't want anything that relates to God promoted or advanced. Um, this this parliamentarian, this Finnish parliamentarian, they tweeted out a picture of Romans one twenty four twenty seven. That that scripture verse, Romans one twenty four twenty seven. And uh, this person's name, you know, Paivi, uh, I think it was Razunin. Uh, was it Paiva? M- Maggie? Paiva. Paiva Razunin. Um, a physician, mother of five, right? She was upset with a Finnish Lutheran church sponsoring a gay pride event, and she's been charged now with incitement against a minority for tweeting out a scripture verse. So the National Catholic Register was reporting on it, and a bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Mission Diocese of Finland was also charged for publishing... Uh, you know, a, a pamphlet that went out in, I think, 04. And the, the pamphlet that went out is, you know, male he male and female he created them was the title of it. So guess, get a load of this. She faces two years of jail time. So how this gets judged? Obviously, a major indication of how Western countries are looking at religious freedom. Here's a little bit more for you. ADF International, they sat down with her and filmed an interview about her experience. Here's part of that conversation. I could never have imagined, uh, for example, when I worked as a minister of interior, uh, who was uh, in charge of police, (laughs) that I would be uh, interrogated and asked that kind of questions in police station. I have heard about this kind of uh, interrogations and hearings from Soviet times. (laughs) I'm so old that I remember the Soviet times. And I could never have imagined that that happens in Finland. The police uh, asked also in every interrogation, are you uh, ready to renounce your writings and take them away from your social media accounts or your homepages? But I answered that I will stand on what I believe and I will speak about these things and write about these things also in the future. All right. So there you have it. Um, she was talking. I was actually thinking about a trip to Prague I took. I was in the Czech Republic well, maybe two years ago, three years ago. The citizens of that part of the world have not forgotten what the USSR was like. 
They understand what religious persecution is all about. They understand what loss of freedom is about. They understand what socialism and communism bring about. You know, they look to us in the West, and, and I said, we've got to be vigilant. Here in the U.S., the Supreme Court yesterday heard the case of the city of Boston discriminating against a Christian camp. Now, the city has a flagpole, right, that they, they, they've allowed to be used by a number of different groups, and they, they approved all the applications for its use until about 2017 when the camp constitution applied to fly what it described as a, quote, Christian flag, right? A Christian flag? Well, it's just a white flag with a cross. That's it. It's a white flag with a cross. Guess what happened? The, one of the city officials told him, you're denied. Why? Because of the word Christian. So from what the news media is saying, it looks like the courts are going to rule in favor of the camp. I certainly hope so. But here's ABC. They're reporting on this particular case that pits really the First Amendment against separation of church and state. This is the same flag uh, that was used during the January 6th insurrection. So this is really um, you know, akin to them trying to take over City Hall and saying, hey, this is a Christian place. This flag is, it simply represents Christianity. It was designed by a couple of Sunday school teachers, not exactly white supremacists. The Supreme Court has limited the display of religious symbols by governments, but it has also said that censorship of ideas in public forums isn't allowed. The ACLU is siding with Camp Constitution. If they can turn them into government speech outlets, and to deny First Amendment claims, uh, then the free speech rights of all of us will be uh, greatly diminished. When the government opens its public property for private speakers, it has to treat everybody equally. But is the city's flagpole truly a public forum? Boston insists it never intended for the flagpole to be used by anyone for any reason, telling the high court that if it rules for Camp Constitution, the city may change its flag-raising program to take back control. Arg, right? Arg. <laughs> what a mess. Uh, really? I mean, what kind of country would we become? Yeah, you know, and again, I, I'm just, hey, look, I try to bring these stories to you just so you get a sense of what's happening, both internationally and locally here. I've said this before. I'll continue to say it because I really want to be a voice that. Well, I guess it sounds the alarm because it's so easy to become desensitized, to become blind, to become accepting of certain behaviors. Um, I really believe the next great challenge for us is is our, our religious freedoms. I think there's going to be greater attacks on them. And we see the bad fruit of abortion. You know, We've seen the bad fruit of redefining marriage. And we see the great challenges that have arisen from that. We see where we are on so many different things in terms of what's being taught and what people are being exposed to. And, and and we see Christianity being looked at in a very negative way. There was a story I, I saw, too, just outside of our own borders here. Um, you know, we, we got government discrimination, but, but there's also the active targeting of churches taking place. And I know I talk about it a lot. I, I try to let you know what's happening in Colorado, what's happening throughout the country where churches are vandalized or set on fire, statues are, are def- defaced, right? <clears throat> well, in France... I saw a story a couple days ago. The Vandals have destroyed statues in at least three churches. In at least three churches. There there was a statue of the Sacred Heart that was thrown down 
and smashed in one church in broad daylight in front of the pastor. Right? They don't care. You know, these figures of a nativity scene in another church were decapitated by somebody with an iron bar. Why? You know, why? I, you know, I, I think there's a couple of reasons. I don't want to drill too, too deeply into it for, for you right now. But I, the story in Colorado I was telling you about, there was a news story. And I think I filled you in on this last time I was on the air. Um, there, there was a person that was involved in satanic worship that was behind that. Now, of course, there's cases of people with mental illness who, who act out and, and, you know, you need to pray for them. Those people need help. But I also think that there is a very dark force that sometimes drives a, a lot of this behavior. I, I, I really do. I think there's a, there's a lot that goes on behind the, uh, the scenes. One, one final story here. Dr. Paul Kengor is going to be stopping by. If you live in Florida, there's a new bill that would outlaw abortions that take place after 15 weeks of gestation. So... Uh, Catholic Vote was reporting on this. A guy named Andrew, uh, I believe his name was Shervil, uh, the founder and the executive director of Florida Voice for the Unborn, is encouraging Catholics to contact their legislators and support those bills as he uh, anticipates that a, you know, pro-abortion lawmakers are going to try to get, uh, get it watered down. So if you are listening right now in the great state of Florida, I know a number of people are, do yourself a favor, okay? I'll see if I can track that story down. Maybe we can post it. You know, don't underestimate your voice. You know, one voice, you know, one phone call, yeah, it certainly can raise the antenna and get something on their attention. But if a lot of people call, I'll tell you what, these politicians will take heed. So, you know, l- l- let them know and uh, and call, those, call your legislator if you're down in Florida. I'll tell you what, let me take a short pause. When we come back... Uh, Dr. Paul Kengor is going to be joining me. There's some talk recently about what's going to happen in 2024. Will Donald Trump run or will we see DeSantis or someone else? But what about the Democratic Party? You know, I I guarantee you, you know, even though Joe Biden says he's going to run, he's not running. Kamala Harris will not be the lead. So who does that leave? Pete Buttigieg, somebody else, Klobuchar, Booker? Now, is it possible that Hillary Clinton will make a comeback and will Donald Trump run against her? We'll look at it. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Your life connected. Yeah, great to be with you today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for tuning in. A lot to talk about today. We'll pray the chapel in about 35 minutes. We're just at the beginning of 2022, only a year into the Biden administration, and already there's talk of 2024. Look, we got the midterms coming up this year, right? But a lot of buzz. People are wondering how competent, how capable will Joe Biden be? He said he's running. You know, I, I think it's incredibly unlikely, and I would wager, you know, just about everything I had. I doubt it. You know, I, I don't see that happening at all. His poll numbers are in the tank, right? His vice president, Kamala Harris, she's she's doing even worse. You know, she's down even further. And nobody in the Democratic Party is seriously looking at either of them for running for re-election in 2024. So if the president, I'm just saying, God forbid, please pray for him, pray for his health. Let's pray that he makes it through the next three years. If the president's health fails, which is a possibility, you never know how things change. And we don't know the day or the hour, right? God could call all of us home at any moment. Harris would be your new president. 
you'd be saying Madam President, right? Kamala Harris would uh, would have, you know be the most powerful person in, in the world, if you you know, so to speak. Uh, but there are rumors at the end of last year that Biden was actually looking to replace Kamala Harris. He's going to get rid of his number two. Um, I was surprised at the pick, to be honest with you, from the very beginning. I was surprised he chose her of, of all of the people that he could he got around with. Um, but, you know, is it possible he was looking to replace her? You know, there's, with an unstable leadership, with poll numbers showing voters leaning now towards Republicans in the midterms elections in November this year, um, who should Democrats look to for leadership? And again, I, I, I pray to God that we put into office well-formed, moral men and women, right? People who will uphold the dignity of life, who will advance religious freedom, not see the erosion of it, right? So, you know, Hillary Clinton, um, I, I've seen several stories floating around. I have not talked about it in a couple of weeks. And I thought, oh, that's, she's not going to run again. But look out. Here comes Hillary. Hillary Clinton could be making a comeback in 2024. And that's not my speculation. There was a, a Wall Street Journal story that I saw. There was an op-ed in it. And it was written by two Democratic uh, operatives. And, and let me just share with you what they say. They say this. They said, quote, several circumstances, you know, this is what they're writing. Uh, it says, uh, President Biden's low approval rating doubts over his capacity to run for re-election at 82 years of age. Vice President Kamala Harris's unpopularity in the absence of another strong Democrat to lead the ticket in 24 have created a leadership vacuum in the party, which Mrs. Clinton viably could fulfill. Wow. So what does that mean? Will we see her run? Here's what Tucker Carlson said about the possibility of Hillary Jumping back into the presidential race, he addressed this, I think, a couple of days ago. Listen. This Wednesday, just reading the numbers, Joe Biden is the most unpopular president that the United States has had in a very long time. And voters dislike Kamala Harris even more. And that's a problem because this is supposed to be the new administration's honeymoon period, the part where everyone thinks they're great. Smart Democrats can read the numbers. They understand this. And they're working on a solution. This week, two of them wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal calling on the party to support Hillary Clinton for president in 2024. Hillary is the best positioned candidate to win a national election, they argued. She's also, they noted, younger than Joe Biden. Former President Bill Clinton agrees with this, or says he does anyway. Bill Clinton told People magazine that his wife is, quote, the most qualified person to run for office in my lifetime, including me. Wow. Meanwhile, over in the Republican camp, you've got former President Donald Trump. Um, He hasn't come out and said he's going to run yet, but many are speculating that he might put himself back in the race. But the question, and I'll just throw this out, um, if it was another Trump-Clinton, you know, race, how do you think it would shake out? Do you think Hillary would win this time? think people are tired of Donald Trump, or do you think he'd crush her? You can always join us, 888-914-9149. A lot of people are looking at Florida's Governor uh, Ron DeSantis uh, as a possible a possibility of running. And, and I also love Tim Scott. Um, he, he had ruled out the possibility of running at one time, DeSantis, but uh, still huge signs right now that he could. And if he does, that would mean that two Florida residents 
you know, running for the Republican nomination. We'll see what happens uh, there as well. But, you know, you could have a seriously, you know, if he did run, it could be divisive. It could have a divisive effect on the GOP. As some people want Trump to win, others are looking for a different candidate. They want somebody who's not as, as uh, caustic or, or divisive. Um, and who could be as strong as Trump, but not as polarizing. Uh, joining me today to take a look at this issue, whether or not we will see Hillary back in, take a look at what's happening in the world of politics in our country, is Dr. Paul Kengor, professor of political science at Grove City College in Pennsylvania, longtime contributor here on the program, and it's always good to tap into his expertise. Doctor, good afternoon. Yeah, hey, Drew, how you doing? I'm doing well. I am, before we begin our conversation, just offer my condolences to your Pittsburgh Steelers. Tough loss for you over the weekend. Yeah, condolences is the right term. You know, it's something you would say during, you know, for a death, right, or a funeral, yeah. or or something. Like that. So it was pretty much a massacre on the football field. And yeah. uh, but you know, not to go too deep into the football weeds, but but when you have a team that can't score a point in the first half all season long, and there's always so long you could do that to Patrick Mahomes. In fact, we were up seven nothing only because T.J. Watt and our defense scored scored the touchdown. But it was. Uh, but it's too bad. We, uh, ben Roethlisberger is retiring, and I guess I'll add this from a sort of faith perspective. Um, uh, ben Roethlisberger went through a, a bad time in his life in some of his first years as a Steeler. He was accused of some sexual allegations and so forth. And um, and the Roonies, who's the family that owns the Steelers, are very devout Catholics. And um, Ben met a, a girl, and and they got married, and he's since become, I know people who know him, a very devout Christian. He's really turned his life around. Wow. And so, you know, we've watched this quarterback who not only grew sort of, you know, on the field with all these top five, top ten statistics, but it's nice to see someone grow and turn into a man and a better human being, you know, who now has a strong Christian testimony. So, you know, that's, that's something that we've watched here. Yeah, That's yeah. the beauty of our faith, though, isn't it? Redemption, second chances, forgiveness. Yeah, yeah totally. Opportunities totally. to and, I, and I tell people all the time, I get emails from people who are fans of other teams, right? Hey, you're Ben. Remember what he did in 2009, 2010? Right. You know, he was he was like a 23-year-old guy with, yeah. you know, $100 million. You know, wow. a guy, us guys are stupid enough. Yeah, you're not kidding. In our early <laughs> Could you imagine, Drew, giving oh, me man. or you $100 million bucks oh. when we're 20 years old? I, I mean, I would have I been a, a, a lunatic. Yeah, me too. But, I'm, I'm um, with you. Know, you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, thank God! Around, so. Thank God for His mercy. Yeah. That that's that that's for sure. Amen. So we'll that's we'll right. see what happens. You always got next year. I just wish Ben ended on a on a more positive note. It'd be nice to Me see too. your final Me game too. be a victory, not a not a defeat, or at least at home. But um, you know, uh, it was good. To, it was always fun to watch Pittsburgh. You know, I'm a son of Pennsylvania. I know you are too. So I always like to root right. for those home state. Yeah, teams. unfortunately, you're an Eagles fan. So you Eagles, have my condolences. And you know what? I'm actually a Packer fan now too. To be honest, with you. I lived in in Wisconsin <laughs> for I years now. And where I live, I'm in the county where, you know, we pay an extra half a percent of sales tax and it goes to fund the football team. So in theory, I'm a Packer. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Green Bay Packer uh, owner. I'm an NFL owner, right? Well, well that's money well spent. I'd rather pay go. a portion of my taxes to the football team than uh, to some of the other stuff I supposedly get for my quote-unquote uh, public services. Yeah, and, and the know? Packers are the only NFL team that's, in theory, owned by the, by their, by the people. You know, everything else is owned mm -hmm. by Philadelphia, is owned by Jeffrey Laurie, or, you know, you take a look at these different NFL teams are owned by individuals. So I, it, and another such, good Catholic family, team. right? The Lombardi family. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Uh, a lot, lot to talk about. If you want to join us, I'll open the phones. The number here, 888-914-9149. We're talking today also about uh, Hillary Clinton 
and Donald Trump. I, you know, I thought of you when I was watching these stories. I've seen several of those that the perfect storm is looming for Hillary to get back in. I, you know, I will we see a rerun of 2016 and 2024? I, I, I don't know. I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know why Hillary thinks that she could do better than Joe Biden did. I mean, she lost to Donald Trump, and in 2016, so Hillary Clinton in 2016 got 66 million votes. Um, Donald Trump got 62 million. Okay, and and in fact, um, people want to write this down. Think about this: Donald Trump went from 62 million votes in 2016 to 75 million in 2020. I mean, it's 62 million to 75 million. That's like a 20 plus percent increase. And one of the reasons why I think Donald Trump was so frustrated, and especially his supporters, and you know, who immediately were wondering, you know, was there vote tampering and so forth, was incumbents. Incumbents don't increase their their number by 20 percent and lose, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, right. you know, if you if you would have told people in like 2017. Hey, I know Trump got only 62 million against Hillary, but you know what? He's going to get 75 million in 2020. People would think, "Wow, he's going to win 45 states," right? Oh. But 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 Joe Biden got 81 million votes, oh. 81 million, and, and, and Hillary got 66 million. So I don't know if I was the Democrats, I I, I would be begging Hillary not to run again. Uh, you know, she, she's the, definitely the one person that Donald Trump could probably beat. And, and I would have to throw this out there, too. I'm looking at real clear politics right now. Even though you're right, Joe Biden's favorability ratings are in the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, he's a 41.8. And uh, Donald Trump's a 41.5. Wow. <laughs> so, so Trump and, and uh, Kamala Harris is 38.6. Right. For the record, but but I I can't, I can't imagine her running and doing any better. Um, like you, I can't imagine Joe Biden running again in twenty twenty four. And and of course, maybe that's that's probably why Hillary is stepping in. She doesn't know who else is going to step up. Yeah, I mean, who, who, but, uh, who else would it run? Be her. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. I mean, look, you were not a Trump fan in twenty sixteen. Right? You and I spoke mm-hmm. back then and. I know a lot of people who said, I just can't vote for this guy, right? He doesn't right. have experiences in this. You know, there was all sorts of things. They didn't like the way he talked. And so bottom line, he became president. And I thought his numbers increased because people said, you know, he has a lot of personal foibles, which we don't like and we wish he'd dial back on. But he seems to govern pretty well. He took stances against China. He was he dealt with the Paris Climate Accord. He's dealt with, all you know, tariffs and China, a whole litany of things. And people's attitudes, I think changed towards Donald Trump. But then again, there's the, the last election. Again, you're in the middle of COVID and and, and you've got uh, Joe Biden saying, I'm going to be a, a uniter. Uh, I'm going to get us out of this dark, cold winter. I'm going to defeat COVID. And he never left his basement, and yet he beat Donald Trump. I mean, there were 200 people showing up in cars to honk their horns, and yet 5,000 people would stand out all night to get into a Trump rally. It was, The optics of it were just so Weird, but now that Trump's out of office, Doctor, I'm not quite sure. I mean, um, would would a DeSantis have a better shot than a Trump? Would uh, Tim Scott? Would somebody else? Uh, or do you think Trump will run? And then, if so, I wonder who his VP would be. Well, and, and Trump energizes a, a, a giant base 
of people that he has out there. But he also, and this is the difference, Drew, he antagonizes a lot of people. Uh-huh. And, and, and so I, I know Trump supporters are probably listening and saying, Biden didn't get 81 million votes, right? <laughs> well, uh, the, the, the fact is, and I said this to Trump supporters all along, I, 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 I would say, listen, he needs to watch his language, watch what he says, and, 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 and they would say, oh, you're a wimp, right? Come on, what do you, I, I said, look, you, you, do you want your guy to get reelected? Right. You do. Right. You love your guy. You want him to get reelected. Right. Well, you can't do that by by alienating the other 50 percent plus of the population. So and a lot of people that came out to vote for Biden voted for him just to vote against Trump. And by the way, because he wasn't Hillary, you know, they loathed Hillary in a way that they didn't loathe Joe Biden. But but I think now with Biden, a lot of people are seeing they might not hate the guy, but they're questioning his competence. And actually, I should add, I have met a lot of people who are really coming to hate Biden. Um, you and I talked last week, Drew, I think it was uh, last Friday maybe, about these religious exemptions and right. Biden's uh, OSHA mandate and everything else. So I've met a lot of people, including a lot of Catholics, who did not hate Joe Biden, but now really have a lot of animosity of the guy because they've lost jobs. Because healthcare workers as well, because they've been forced to take jabs against their medical appeals and their conscience appeals because, because of Joe Biden and, and what Joe Biden is pushing. And on the COVID issue, remember this too, Donald Trump, the, 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 the liberals just ripped him to shreds because they said he wasn't being open enough about COVID. The guy was doing a COVID press conference every day. He had Deborah Burks up there with him. He had Tony Fauci. He right. had um, all these other different people from his administration. Has Biden done even one of those? No. And, 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 and yeah, and, and with Donald Trump, they'd say, well, you're not up there long enough. He's like, well, how long do you want me to stand up here? So he does one that's like two and a half hours long, wow. right? Is it all Trump? All Trump does is sit up there and talk and talk. Well, okay, you want me to cut it back? What do you want me to cut it back to? An hour and 15 minutes? All right, you got it. So he started doing short, but, but either way, he let the press go at him. And Biden does that never. And never. So, so no one can ask Biden questions like, well, what if I have natural immunity? Why should I be forced to, t- to take an artificial j- jab? You can't even ask him that. He doesn't show up. So he went from um, running a campaign out of his basement to now running a COVID campaign, um, you know, kind of behind a screen. And, and, and so you know, that, um, all of the, that stuff has served to make him unpopular. One more thing, yeah. um, Donald Trump turned out to be fantastic on the pro-life issue. Oh, and Biden, for Catholics, is turning out to be a horror show. It's uh, so he's true. He's doing everything he can to, 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 to preserve Roe versus Wade. So. It's so true. He said he'd throw the weight of the federal government, you know, to yeah. advance this culture of death. I, I think it's terrible. And you're right. Joe Biden and, and, and uh, Pence, it's some of the most pro-life leaders that we've had at that level of government and, and that alone or Trump and Pence, I should say, um, you know, and that's something that we should not forget. I think that's really important. If you look at the Biden administration and you take a look at what happened in Afghanistan, the way we have led there, you take a look at our COVID response right now, you take a look, you can go down the line, our border, take a look at the rise in fentanyl deaths. You just go all the way down. We're shutting off pipelines, uh, our international relations. I mean, yeah, we we're living in troubled times. I don't know who uh, would be stronger. Would it be Hillary? Uh, she does have some, you know, some experience in that area. Or would it be a different Democrat? I can't think of what Democrat 
would 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 rise. Pete Buttigieg, I don't think so. Klobuchar, no. Booker, these were all the people that ran in the last one. Uh, Gabbard, um, who who do you think if it's not Hillary Clinton? Because I do think Hillary Clinton would have a shot for the Democrats. Um, if not Hillary, who? Well, that might be why Hillary's jumping in, because of that exact same reason. And normally it would be the vice president, right? But, you know, we were shocked when Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris. Right. She's the most unlikable and unpopular of everybody in that field of Democrats. And, 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 and I don't think anybody in the Democratic Party wants her. So in a way, uh, you know, it, it, it leaves it absolutely wide open, and that's, and that's probably why Hillary's jumping in. And I'll say one, one more thing, too, on the pro-life issue. Sure. The March for Life is coming up this weekend. I have um, six family members who are going to be there awesome. that are going to be marching. The last time that they marched, they didn't do it last year because of COVID. The time before that, Donald Trump spoke to them. Right yeah. now, this year they're going and they're all marching, hoping that our Catholic, our Catholic president, you know, won't continue to do all the awful things that he's doing to battle for Roe versus Wade, throwing the entirety of the federal government behind it. So, so this is, and you and I talked about this a few months ago. I, I, I wrote a piece, I think it was for Crisis Magazine, saying Catholics who voted for Biden. You know, I know that many of you did it because you didn't like Donald Trump. I get that. That's cool. I understand. But you but you need to be stepping up right now, and you need to be calling the White House, sending emails, and saying things like, Mr. President, I voted for you, but you can't do this as a Catholic. You, you, I, I do not support this. Sir, please stop this. Please I'm stop this. If they're doing that, not enough of them are doing it because he is full throttle gangbusters doing yep. everything he can on behalf of, of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood. You got it. Well, look, my guest today, Dr. Paul Kengor. Let's grab a call or two. I'm getting close to a break, so if you're on hold, I will get you on the air. Let me start in Chicago. Denise, good afternoon. You're on the air with Dr. Paul Kengor. Thank you, Dr. Kengor. Thank you, Drew. I got a scenario that I think could possibly work with this election. Hillary, yes, will jump in. I agree. I think she was preparing us for by by you saying her acceptance speech on TV and everybody mm-hmm. was crying uh, uh, that she never gave them, that she never got to gave. However, I think Trump will support Governor DeSantis. Right now, there's friction between those two, but in the end, we got to have the GOP in power and Trump's popularity is good, but he's better at fundraising and my theory is he will back DeSantis, and the Democrats will have heart attacks if that happens, because yeah, he would be right. That's a great theory. Yeah. Uh, Doctor, let you expand. I, I think she's right. I, I, I think that uh, Donald Trump will back DeSantis, and he is, um, he's a much more popular and likable figure. Uh, by the way, he's Catholic. And um, he, you know, he, and he's with us on on all the social cultural issues. And right now, people might say, "Ah, oh, come on, Ken Gore, you're a political scientist. Look at the numbers." Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah Trump is the front runner among Republicans with over forty, fifty percent. DeSantis is second with like eight percent. Well, yeah, but that's always the way it is. Yeah, you know, until until the until the guy goes through the primary and and everything else. And if Trump steps aside. Um, I, I, I think DeSantis probably is the front runner, and I think he probably is somebody who could beat Joe Biden, beat Kamala Harris. Although, again, the wild card in all of this is 
I, I just can't picture Biden running another campaign. In 2024, then no, again, no, you know, he, he re, yeah he ran one from his basement in, in in 2020. So I don't know. Hey Denise, thanks. I, I love the perspective. That's awesome. We're going to take a short pause. When we come back, if you're on hold, I'm going to do my very best to get you on. We're taking a look at uh, some of the news that's now being bantered about. Uh, we got midterms right around the corner, but 2024, a year from now, you're going to start to see people positioning themselves for the presidency. And believe it or not, we'll be back in that deep political cycle. Is it possible that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump will go toe-to-toe for 2024? If so, who will be victorious? And if not them, who? Our conversation continues. Stay with us. Today's programming is brought to you by St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. These cities, they are crime-ridden like we've never seen in the history of our country before. So now what we do is if there's a next time, we're going to do it differently. We had to do it this way the first time. We did the absolute right thing, but it showed what happened. You look at Chicago, you look at New York, the murder rates are at a level that nobody can believe. Chicago, I mean, they have a a holiday, uh, some July 4th, 83 people shot seven dead i just told you that in afghanistan we went 18 months without one american soldier being shot or killed and in chicago it's happening every day the drew mariani show on relevant radio yeah that's something else i forgot to mention too we could talk about afghanistan the border but take a look at the crime in our streets oh my lord Of course, that was uh, Donald Trump, a little audio uh, from the former president speaking at a rally he held last weekend in Arizona. And if you're just joining us, uh, my guest today, Dr. Paul Kengor, a a brilliant author and a wonderful professor of political science, uh, is here. And we'll take your calls. We're we're talking about the possibility of Hillary Clinton jumping in on the Democratic side of the aisle. I don't see any other frontrunner right now. And the big question mark hanging over the Republican side of the aisle is, will Donald Trump get back in? And if not, then who will run? Would it be DeSantis, as many people are, are hoping? Uh, we'll see. It was still a long way out, but lots of questions being raised. Hey, doctor, before I go to the phones, very quickly, I got a text from a friend. He says, how does Dr. Kengor feel about an age limit, 65, uh, to uh, to run for president? you got to be... 65 or under. Hillary, 76. Trump is 77. By 2024, they'll be looking at 80. Um, what's your thought on on limiting the age? I mean, you have, to be, you have to be 35 to run for president, but should we cap it on the top end, 70, 65, 75? What are your thoughts? That's interesting. Yeah, you could have uh, octogenarians, right, between Trump and Biden and Hillary Clinton. It would be like the Chinese Communist Party, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't think there should be uh, any, any sort of age limit. I mean, it's up to people who they want to vote for. But um, by the way, I nominate uh, Trump and Hillary for a steel cage match. I think that's what I'd like to see <laughs> between the two. But, but while we're talking about age, could you imagine the contrast between Joe Biden in 2024 and again, the co- last caller, Ron DeSantis? I mean, yeah. DeSantis is he's 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 in his early 40s. And, and, and he went to Yale, Harvard, um, served in the in, in the army, served in the Iraq War. The guy won a won a bronze star, um, all these other you know, medals in the Iraq War. 
Um, he's he's Catholic. He's young. His wife is young. He's got young children. Uh, wife has cancer. I, hopefully she's okay. Uh, but but the age contrast between DeSantis and Biden would be really really striking. So again, it's 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 hard to imagine Biden being the guy in 2024. But it's also hard to imagine him turning the wheel over to Kamala, um, who is um, who's not likable. Yeah, no kidding. All right, let's jump back to the phones. Ted in Fall River, Mass. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Dr. Kangor. Good afternoon, Drew. Ironically enough, I was just rereading your book, Dr. Kangor, God and Reagan. Mm. Um, Just a seminal book. Just great, great writing. Um, All the people who inspired you to write it. Just the kind of your your afterword um, was just great. But... um, one one thought I had really, really that kind of jumped out to me during the during the uh, Trump presidency. He never really compared himself to Reagan, and when you st- when you know and study Reagan like I have, and obviously you have, you're a Reagan expert. The contrast is just profound. The contrast is profound. It's like I would almost consider Trump to be like an anti-Reagan, like right. in so many ways. In so many ways, he is just like. He's the polar opposite. And, the, and you know, I, when you look back on history of the last 50 years, you look at John Paul's connection to Ronald Reagan and their fearlessness, their courage to go against communism, and they never, ever deviated. And, and the event that really kind of chilled my bones was when uh, Trump went to uh, the, do the summit with Xi Jinping, and basically he sold out the Uyghurs. He's like, hey, you know, if you you can do whatever you want to the Uyghurs, do whatever you want in Hong Kong, just as long as you buy our farm products, I need to get reelected. I mean, imagine Reagan doing that. I mean, it's just like you'd have to put a gun to his head for him to do that. It's just it's just it's just uh, it's horrible. And even today in our own society, I got to think, would Reagan be really talking about how much we are closer to Soviet communism than probably the Russians are? To, to communism, I mean, I, I, in our country today, I mean, we're we're hair's breadth away from being from from being a communist state. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah. thanks, guys. God bless. Thanks, Ted. Sure, sure. No, thanks for your kind words. And so, Donald Trump, MAGA, Make America Great Again, was actually Reagan's slogan <laughs> from the 1980s. So, so he he actually lifted that slogan, not to say that he pilfered it or stole it or anything like that. In fact, I think it was probably deliberately and um, openly borrowing from from Reagan. And, and he probably said at one point, you know, like Ronald Reagan, I want to make America great again. And and I got in a lot of trouble with Trump supporters in 2016 because I wrote a series of articles for Conservative Review on why Trump was not Reagan. And I made that same point. I said, Trump is really the anti-Reagan. Now, you know, Trump ended up doing some really great things on issues like religious freedom, pro-life. In fact, I'll tell you right now, Trump did uh, far, 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 far better on pro-life than Reagan ever did. And Trump's uh, Supreme Court appointees are already turning out better than Reagan's were. But but in many ways, yeah, personality, he was the anti-Reagan. And that's one of the things I told people in 2016. I said, look, if you, if you, if you want your guy to win – you're going to have to, he's going to have to be likable. And Trump people would say, he's just like Reagan. He's just like Reagan. They would tell me that. And I'd say, no, he's not. And he should take some cues from Reagan and learn how to be more likable. Reagan was reelected 
by winning 49 out of 50 states. <laughs> right, the Electoral College count in 1984 was 525 to 13. So, you know, right then and there, that's a, that's a dramatic difference be, between Trump and Reagan. You, you need to run people who are, who are likable. All right. Todd is listening in Lexington, Kentucky. Todd, thank you for calling in. Welcome. Hi. How are you today, Drew? I'm well, thanks, Todd. Go right ahead. Well, um, kind of to go off of what the last caller said, one of the big differences, and it doesn't exist much at all anywhere, even in our own state uh, when we had our last gubernatorial election, and that's a lack of statesmanship. And Reagan was a statesman. He had the ability to bring both sides of the aisle together more. I mean, wasn't perfect, obviously, but he was able to bring both sides of the aisle together because he was a statesman. He knew how to 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 present things in a way that were not necessarily. Uh, uh, well, President Trump did a lot of great things, but that's one thing that's lacking with him was his ability to behave like a statesman and present things in a way that um, didn't raise the ire of everybody who heard him speak. Yeah, that's right. Ronald Reagan had this kind of winsome quality, and he used humor in a way that wasn't demeaning towards people. And and I've had so many liberals over the years say to me, yeah, I didn't vote for Reagan. You know, I was one of a small group that didn't vote for him. But, you know, um, I liked him. I liked him as a person. He was a nice guy. Um, he was somebody you couldn't dislike on a personal level. And then they'll say, but I hate. Trump, right? And and I know a lot of Trump supporters are like, well, I don't care if you're a liberal and you hate Trump. Well, but but, but you, in a country where there's more registered Democrats than Republicans, all right, you're you're gonna you're gonna need some people on the other side of the aisle to like your guy, or he's not going to win again. So again, that's a key lesson, right on. Uh, all right, Hazel in Lexington, Mass. Good afternoon. We only have a few minutes, so you have to make it quick. Hi. Uh... Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. You know, I, I don't know why you want to talk about um, Trump as compared to other people. Trump is unique, and he's an individual. And all you have to do is look at the guy and say, he's got things done. He's a great negotiator. He's, he calls a spade a spade. He's a realist. He's beautiful. Hillary, by contrast, she's like a scarecrow with straw, and she has such baggage she should be in jail, much less running for president. Um, so that's my feeling. And uh, Trump is going to run again, and he's going to win again. We need him. We have to All get right. back our sanity and save our country. Hazel, thank you. I'm going to hold you on that thought because I have less than a minute. I want to give Dr. Kangor final thoughts. Well, yeah, and Hillary is probably less likable than Donald Trump, which is which is why she lost. Even she did get more uh, more votes than him, uh, several million more, yeah. but she lost the electoral college. And the Democrats learned in 2020 to elect somebody who was more likable than Trump, or at least wasn't detested yeah. Yeah. more than Trump was. Yeah. So, that's, Doctor, um, thank you. Right always always good to talk with. you. Really appreciate Thanks, your time. We'll pray the chapel. We'll pray for you and your family. I'll be right back.